0: We've been keeping an eye on the monkeypox situation since the virus first appeared in the headlines several weeks ago. Now, the number of people infected has grown, and now you're seeing a lot of stories that bring back some memories of the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic with problems when it comes to testing, tests not getting where they are needed. There is a lot to talk about on the monkeypox front, from why are we having these problems with testing to why is the virus showing up in much higher numbers in men who have sex with other men. To get some answers, we caught up with Dr. Perry Halkitis. He is the Dean and Hunterdon Professor of Public Health and Health Equity at Rutgers School of Public Health. So to start, I think when we first heard monkeypox come in the news a few weeks ago, it was a little bit of a, you know, you stopped where you were and, and listened. Kind of give us a quick primer about this pox virus.
1: So monkeypox virus is a uh, part of a family of viruses that includes chickenpox and smallpox. Um, we know in the United States, pox has been under control. You know, we stopped vaccinating against smallpox in 1972 because it had basically been managed in the United States. But other poxes like monkeypox continue to exist in other parts of the world. Monkeypox has been endemic to the African continent, to, to Western Africa in particular. And so this version of pox is one in a society where we travel and where there's global back and forth could be transferred, especially in light of the fact that we now have a segment of the population in the United States and in Europe who are no longer vaccinated for smallpox. And that vaccine, for those of us who are old enough to have had it, like myself, prefer, you know, gives us some protection against the monkeypox virus. So this is a virus that is part of this larger family. Um, It is not life-threatening necessarily, except for people who are, you know, very immunocompromised or very frail like any other disease, but one that is, you know, very much part of the history of the world in terms of diseases that exist.
0: What is your level of concern of what we are seeing? Because it started, you know, a handful Now, there are hundreds across the country documented, and that's still small, but a question I'll get to later about testing were probably more than that. What's your level of concern right now about this?
1: I'm concerned. Um, I'm concerned because uh, there is a proliferation. I am concerned because of the population in which the disease emerged or infected. And I I want to just say very clearly. I don't think as a gay man, I'm not saying gay men are responsible for this, but this is the population that's most affected at the present time, because somehow, who knows how, the virus got into the population, right? So I'm concerned because we've just gone through pride. We've had celebrations of people getting together socially. And I'm concerned that those who are certainly those who are under the age of 50, who are socializing in these venues are particularly susceptible to this. So I think that we are not even scratching the surface at what is going to be the infection in the United States. I think we're going to see further spread and we're going to see further spread outside the population unless we really buckle down and start vaccinating people against this particular virus.
0: The idea of it it spreading in circles of gay men, this seems unusual to me. Does this
1: is this just because it's a close contact and it got into the, those communities? It just landed there first. I mean, it could have been. It could have been at a a straight rave. It could have been at a quinceañera. It just happened to be, you know, in Europe at this gay event. Where, you know, I just came back from Portugal. Portugal is not too far from Africa, right? It's really close. Very possible that people travel back and forth. And that's how you bring it into the country. So it just happened that that was the circumstance that this has entered into our population. But, you know, it could have been somebody's wedding. So we
0: talk about the number of cases documented, but it's probably more. I've read a lot of things that testing is pretty woeful it's it's hard to get and people are kind of trying everything before trying a monkeypox test where are we with testing and how is something like this once again we just went through it
1: with covid how are we not getting this deja vu here we are again right you know i go back to march of 2019 when i first when i first became infected with covid-19 i couldn't get a test fortunately i wasn't that sick right but you know i didn't i didn't know till months later that i actually had covid because of the antibody test here we are again so the federal government has just um put forward an initiative to provide tests to five major laboratories um a little late honestly if you ask me it probably should have happened uh, uh weeks and weeks ago um it will become available relatively soon um I think that testing is important. I think vaccination is actually much more important. And there we continue to struggle because we have two vaccines at least available that we can handle this one, particularly for monkeypox genetics vaccine that is available from Scandinavian manufacturers and the smallpox vaccine, which is the, you know also helpful, not necessarily helpful for people who are immunocompromised. So um, we are we are not great in either front. Um, in terms of testing or in, in terms of access and here and vaccination here is the problem I think problem with this is that this is not like COVID-19 where like in three days you might have symptoms right this is one of those viruses where it could take a couple of weeks before you have symptoms so you've gone about your life feeling normally fine and potential and potentially spreading the disease that's why I think the numbers we see are under under of where we are we're in not tragic situation but we're not in a great situation
0: I I mean, I just want to go back again to the idea like, how are we back here in a public health emergency, if not crisis? And still having these questions about getting testing to the right places. Uh, is it bureaucracy? Is it just kind of built in because we're a big country and we've got 50 states and everybody kind of does it their own way that it's just kind of going to lead to something like this?
1: Well, I think like the whole state doing their own thing is a, is a different problem. that We could have a whole episode just on that. Um, you know, uh, I was laughing when people couldn't come in from Mexico or Canada if they were COVID positive, but they could come in from Alabama into New Jersey. It was like a joke to me. Um, you know, it is, we are, yeah. I mean, I think like we were slow to respond. We were still dealing with COVID. I think it was like on people's radars, but you know, in light of everything else that was going on, it didn't get the attention it should have gotten. I feel that there was also one really, really critical piece here, which I think is like this concern about escalating it to the point of a great uh, concern or a great alarm in fear that people who stigmatize LGBTQ people would take this opportunity to stigmatize. So I think the CDC was walking a fine line here. Those of us who grew up in the 80s know all too well the finger pointing that went on with gay men, right? So I think that in our effort to be Protective of the well being of sexual and gender minority people, we might have been a little bit too cautious. And frankly, look, this reality is going to be our reality moving forward. Like you look at any infectious disease chart um, since 1918, you see this huge decline in infectious diseases, right? And then here we go in the 1980s and there's a spike again. This is our reality moving forward. As we continue to go to global sites, as we continue to have people who are not vaccinated against the most basic, the most basic viruses. We're going to continue to see things entering into our country. And what I've said and what I continue to say, and what I think is really important for our government and for the CDC is like, let's not make it about monkeypox or COVID, but let's make it more about how do we protect our population that is traveling in a global world from preventing them from getting sick and bringing it back into our country. That to me is the, the million dollar question. How do we do that?
0: You mentioned the stigmatizing and that was something I wanted to ask you because that's one of the first when you started to see kind of the story emerge that it was in these circles of gay men. The first thing I thought of was, man, you know, you think back to the 80s. What are your concerns of of that as this escalates, as it gets more into headlines that you're going to kind of have to be fighting a fight on two fronts here?
1: Uh, Very worried. I'm very worried because, quite frankly, look at the society we're in right now. Right. You know, we read Clarence Thomas's comments, you know, in the road decision. Right. So. So. There is a segment of the population, you know, we saw the 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 folks who were like trying to terrorize a pride event on the West Coast. There's a folks there's a segment of the population that is very anti LGBTQ. So I think they will latch on to anything to try to point the finger at LGBTQ people. But let me just say one thing really clearly about HIV versus uh, monkeypox. So, you know, it would be very easy to say like, oh, those those horrible gay people and their intercourse. It's not about intercourse, right? Monkeypox. It's about kissing and touching like that every human being does. And so the notion that there's something about gay sex that communicates, that transmit this disease that is different from heterosexual sex is a fallacy. And so what I'm saying to folks is close contact, kissing, affection. You don't have to have Gay sex, whatever that means in people's minds, for this to be transmitted. So um, I am worried. I am worried, and I think that the, the president's office is worried, and I know the CDC is worried about this, and that's why they're being very cautious, almost a little too quiet in their response, and the media, quite frankly, not raising it up to the level that it might. I also think the media is still busy trying to deal with COVID.
0: To that point, how Do you how do people should they attack talking about this, but eliminating the stigma?
1: I mean, I think they should just talk about, you know, like any disease, like the like any virus, like the flu or what have you, that you get it when you're in proximity with someone for a for a for a a amount of time. You can I can give the flu to my husband. I can give the flu to a co-worker if I'm just talking to them. Right. And so the same thing with monkeypox. So we should have to we have to make it separate it, disentangle it from sexual orientation, se- disentangle it from gender and just realize that it's one of these viruses that's, you know, that can be transmitted just by being in touch with other human beings. If you don't if you want to be particularly careful, if you are extremely concerned about this, then being careful about your socialization, right? And again, here we are again in large groups that there might be infection and you should try to avoid those. So let's not make it about the people who are infected, but about the virus and how it gets transmitted.
0: And to the point of this is kind of the world we live in, you know, with the spikes and you've got people that won't get vaccinated for stuff. Give me some things you would like to see governments do to this new normal. Like how do we... Just kind of always be on alert and kind of have a a working uh, chest of tools to to kind of be ready for whatever
1: comes our way. Much more, much more financing into the public health infrastructure to be like you know radar the radars for for viruses and diseases. I think that you know public health infrastructure has been. Uh, dismantled over the course of the last 20 years. It's We thought we had handled infectious disease. We clearly haven't handled infectious disease. We need to pour more money and more resources and having people watching really, really closely. Like the meteorologists, of viruses. Like we know we need hurricane watchers, we need virus watchers, right? And we need people to be reacting in real time. So that's the, one more thing. So, And number two, it also means making sure we have a public health workforce, which I think we're getting to because as COVID was happening, people were finding public health much more. But number three for me, to me, it seems like it's a privilege to be able to travel around the world, right? To me, it seems that you know we have very clear rules about not bringing back plants and meats and foods and what have you in your suitcase when you travel. I think we have to be much more uh, regulated in how what the what, what the expectations are when people travel outside the country, what their vaccinations look like, you know, what their inoculations look like, and you know, and 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 ensure. That if they're traveling to any part of the world, they have the most basic set of vaccines that, are, that, that, that prevent them from getting sick and then making the rest of us sick as a result.
0: And I want to go back. The problems we're seeing with testing, is it finding accurate tests? Is it just getting the test where it needs to be? It's what's supply, the
1: problem the problem supply supply and demand all of a sudden there's a huge demand that you saw in new york city that opened the clinic in chelsea which is in the downtown part of manhattan opened up for vaccination and they were like the uh, the appointments were gone like in like in minutes so there is obviously you have a very very concerned uh you have a very um connected segment of the population like gay men I know what this is about. They're going to be much more responsive to getting tested and getting vaccinated than our other parts of the population. So it's all about supply and demand right now. We have been slow in reacting. The supply of tests are not there. The supply of vaccine is not there. And every day that passes, more virus gets spread throughout the population.
0: Is it a problem? This is something new that there's a generations of doctors that haven't maybe seen this, you know, in in the public. And could that be slowing things that they are not quick to to go in that direction? They try to rule every other thing out because it's not something that's been on
1: their radar? I would elevate and say population. I would say generations of people. I think that you have like, you know, ex Xers like me. And boomers to some extent certainly zeers who don't know what it's like to live in a world where their infection spreads and people die people who lived through the 1980 flu knew that all too well right and we're very responsive as a result of that to getting vaccinated i think we have taken for granted the benefit bestowed upon us through modern medicine and taken and and taking it for taking not only taking it for granted but in some ways turned our backs on it and as a result of that we are seeing ourselves in the situation i think it's like a generations who have not seen what infectious disease does, which is all of a sudden, they're all of a sudden seeing it. And we also have to continue to combat this anti-vax mentality that continues to to be prevalent in our society.
0: That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.